like even from a child, I've always wanted to help my community. I remember um, I came from some humble beginnings and we lived in Buffalo, New York as a child and our neighbors, I remember the kids didn't have food, they didn't have clothes, they didn't have any of that. And I'm literally taking food from my home, taking it over there clothes off out of my closet, giving it to them, wanting to help them out. So, and just, just seeing like fast forward years later as an adult, like how my, my love and passion to help people has turned into, you know, being a foster parent, creating space for moms and boss mom crew. It just shows me that like, I'm in the right path of who I am and I'm walking, literally walking and standing in my truth. And it just feels good. You're listening to Mom After Hours, a podcast where we talk about the wins and challenges of being a modern mom. For real, we don't sugarcoat and we cover everything that is taboo. And don't you worry, Mama, we save the soup for you. Welcome to Mom After Hours. This is your host, Brandi Wytrack. Thank you for joining me. Today, we are talking everything foster parenting. With a staggering 424,000 foster youth nationwide, the demand for foster families is at an all-time high. According to ifoster.org, factors like parental opioid addiction are forcing children to be removed from their homes in alarming numbers. And sadly, the number of foster parents needed far outweigh the supply. In today's episode, the founder of the Boss Mom Crew, Danielle Melton, talks about the foster parenting process, what your family needs to consider before committing to becoming a foster parent, and offers tips on how to make that first day with your foster child or children run smoothly. She also talks candidly about her foster parenting experience and even shares how her partner went from being on the fence with fostering children to what are we waiting for? I'm so eager to dive into this topic with Danielle today. So without further ado, let's jump in. My husband and I, we've been married for, it'll be 10 years next month, but we started motherhood and parenthood in a non-traditional way. And um, through that, we became foster parents. So we started our journey fostering children in our um, community. I have fostered over 12 children in our home. And one of the, yeah, one of the children actually became my daughter, which is Kennedy. So we adopted her through foster, foster care. And we adopted her in 2018 when she was six years old. And I mean, love her to death, like as, as if I birthed her. Yeah, it, it was definitely different jumping into it that way because you know, a lot of times, you know, when, when you get the birth children, it seems like you get to have that time to get your mind ready, you know, to be a parent and things like that. But with my husband and I, like we, when we jumped in the way we did, like we couldn't imagine or prepare um, for parenthood as I feel like those who, who had those nine months to prepare like that way. So um, what I'm saying with that is like when we became parents, I honestly did not know how much of myself I had to give um, when it became being a parent. So the first week I was just like, whoa, like taken aback. But we quickly learned, <laughs> we quickly learned and, and got the, that parent role down. So, um, and yeah. how old did you say your daughter was when you um, adopted her? Yeah, she was six. So she six. came to our okay. house at, at five. Um, and then within that year, she was, um, you know, her birth parents, her birth mom's rights were terminated. And they, you know, asked us if we wanted to adopt her, which 
the thing is we became foster parents, not with the mindset to adopt. We went in there literally saying, hey, we just want to help children out in our community, um, more so um, honing in on African-American children because we are African-American parents and we are hearing that a lot of people will automatically say no to African-American children. So we didn't want, so since we knew that a lot of people weren't um, wanting our, you know, our little black babies, we were like, hey, hey, we are um, African-American parents. We have um, extra room here. Um, This will be an easier transition with school than not having to explain certain things and, you know, be around their culture. So um, that's kind of, you know, our, our um, goal. I mean, we did, you know, not saying we don't help other children, of course. I mean, we did have Native American children and other children in our home, but I mean, the system knew that we wanted to um, help out um, majority of African-American children due to, you know, the, the same culture, as well as hearing that a lot of people were denying th- those children. Yeah. So where did you hear about this, these kind of opportunities? Was it something that you as a school administrator had like heard about with the children that were at your school or is it through your church or what kind of like led you to fostering yeah. children? So the funny thing is um, we grew up with foster children. So um, my parents, when we moved to Tulsa in 2000, my parents um, started foster care. So as I was like a teenager, we had um, about five or six different foster children in our home. It, it really started because my brother was the only boy and they wanted to foster, you know, little boys so that he could have, you know, a playmate because there's three of us girls. That evolved. We we started that way. And then, you know, we had some girls and boys and things like that. But just seeing my parents um, maneuver through foster care um, as foster parents, like the way they treated them, like they treated them literally as our own. Like we like traveled with them, we, you know, and to this day, we have like great relationships with our foster children. Like we call them our, like our siblings, we still like are around them. And just, you know, when I saw how my parents were helping out that way, I said to myself, like, I know I want to give back um, the same way. That is so cool. I love that you're still in contact with them too. Yeah. Because to me, that would be, that's definitely one of the biggest challenges I think of, of fostering children. I have friends who foster children and I'm like, I, I don't think that I'm emotionally strong enough to do it. And it's mm-hmm. something that I had considered before in the past, but I'm like, I don't think I'm strong enough. I'm like, I think I would be a wreck um, if I you know, was helping this child and then I, they were no longer a part of my life. What are some of those tips that your parents or your mother gave you about venturing into fostering children? I think that a lot of it has to do with mindset. So again, like I was saying, I did not go into foster care and wanting to adopt. And I know a lot of people do that. You know, a lot of people, you know, that's their their goal is to do that. So I went in with a different mindset. So my mindset, and and this is with my parents too, um, was like, let me help this child in the moment. Let me, um, I'm here to, um, have that that small snapshot of um, doing what I can to inspire and help that child right now. So when that child does leave, they do know what it is to have a loving family. They know what it what it is to have routine. They knew know what it is to have all these certain things that they may not have ever had before, but they now know what that feels like, so that they can move forward in life with that you know in their back pocket. So um, I. I go in with that mindset. So when they do leave, I say, you know what? I did my part. I'm excited that I was able to do what I I can with that little bit of time with that child. And it's more so like um, well wishes, you know, with that child. Now, let me not, I'm not going to say it's easy. I mean, you do get connected and you do gain those relationships, but, and it's also really important 
for me to know that like with the parents, the birth parents, like I work hard on creating relationships with them. And I know a lot of people, a lot of times, obviously the children are in foster care because there's a, a reason, there's an issue that's going on when the child wasn't safe, something has happened to the child. So it's easy to, to look at the parents and be like, ugh, you know, I don't want nothing to do with them. They, they cause this. But um, a lot of times I think like, okay, th- what happened? Why did this happen? You know, the parent may not have resources. They may not understand. They may have been raised a certain way. There's there's situations. I mean, the last family we had, we had a family of four children in our home and, and mom had some domestic violence issues, you know, and this the children literally went home for a month and went back into custody due to the same issue. You know, so I'm like feeling like, oh, my gosh, these poor babies, you know, but it's like mom, she's in she's stuck in this cycle, too. So like, OK, how can I help best support you and, you know, get you get your babies back? And um, I, I just think it's really important to be there and be that the parents cheerleader while they're working on them um, so that when or if they get their child back, their children back, you can be like, hey, you did it, you know, and, um, you know, kind of be that person for them. I love that. You have such a big heart. And to me, it's a special person. And you're right. You're doing it the healthy way. You're you already know that you have to have a certain mindset when you go into it. And that's going to help prepare you emotionally. But the fact that you're not just taking on the parenting rights of these children, like you're really teaming up with their biological parents to try to, you know, get their children back with their parent and like, and being that cheerleader girl, that's awesome. So, um, I mean, if someone literally broke their child's legs and just was trying to like kill their child, like that to me is a little different. Yeah. Um, Rights will usually are terminated. So for things like that, but when it comes to the ones that we're trying to reunify them. It's like, okay, so we're trying, mom's trying, she's doing what she she needs to do. She's getting off of meth. She's doing, you know, those steps. So I'm saying to mom, like, Hey, you work on you. I have your children. I'm not trying to take your kids away from you. I I, I do let them know that I'm like, I'm here. I'm, I'm on the same side as you. I'm your cheerleader. Your kids are safe. So work on you. So I let them know that in the very beginning so that they know, like, we're not, I'm not trying to I'm on we're on the same team like we want you healthy and able to take your babies back and it's so interesting because even when these kids go through so much they care they want their mom back a lot of times Mm -hmm. they still want their mama yeah and it's just very interesting it's like through the through all the bad they went through like that's their mom and they they still care and want to be around her yeah it's yeah it's like you said that's their mama Mm -hmm. mama can do no wrong I mean even Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not going to get into my childhood, but I'm like, it, we came pretty close where, you know, CPS had almost taken my sister and brother and I from my parents just because my stepdad was a druggie and didn't have his life mm-hmm. together. But my mom, you know, they were still good people. And it's hard because people mm-hmm. just look in and they s- assume that people are this certain way and they're like, oh, they're dirty or they're this way or they're right. that way. Instead of saying, you know what, we're all human beings. We all fuck mm-hmm. up sometimes. Right. But, you know, it's it's natural for the child to want to be with their parents. And obviously, like mm-hmm. you said earlier, it's different if they're truly like harming their children. Then, yeah, exactly. it's hard. You can't put them back into a bad place. Mm-hmm. But if it's something where, you know, they fell on hard times financially and they can no longer care for their children or they fell right. into drugs or some issue mm-hmm. like that that can be fixed and they can get to a better right. spot, then that's great that there are people out there like you who have big hearts and who are opening their home to foster a child. That's awesome. So what what are some things that we should consider if we are interested in becoming a foster parent? First thing I would say is have an open heart and an open mind because each child that comes in your home will have a different story and have a different need. One thing like I recommend, like you have to kind of let the child lead the way when it comes to 
when they're placed in the home because some children want hugs, some children want, you know, distance. So kind of following like, what are they needing and how can I support them by, you know, supporting them in the way that's best for them is really important. Also, like if you're wanting to be foster parents, I like commend you, like, please do so. It is definitely a need out there. It does take a, maybe a month or so. It depends on the, the um, I guess the state and how that is. But you have to take classes. Like they don't just place kiddos in your home. So if you're like, oh, I want to be a foster parent tomorrow. Tomorrow is great. So that means you sign up and you wait and then you can start the process of the foster parent um, journey. So yeah, you have to get your house inspected. You have to, I mean, there are different like pieces that need to go into it for that, like certification. So can you elaborate on that? So you said that, so they'll inspect your home. So first, like mm-hmm. kind of what's that step? You fill out an application. So application. They, mm-hmm. they um, explain to you like, you know, what it is to be, they don't even call it foster parenting anymore. They actually call it like bridge parenting because you're bridging it. Like that's what the wording they have here in Oklahoma. Um, yeah. So you, you put an application, then they, they tell you like, oh, this is what it is. Are you still interested? Great. They'll do a home inspection to make sure that you have everything that you're needing. Like you even have to have a map for like an exit for your house in case there's a fire. You have to have a certain fire extinguisher. You have to have like all your cabinets locked, all the medicine put away, knives up up high. Um, If you have a fireplace, you have to have one of those covers around it. Like they check so many different things to make sure your house is safe for that. Um, you also have to have a background check and any um, adult in the home has to have a background check as well. Of course, your, your dog and all that, your animals have to have their shot records up to date. And then after all that, then there's the classes. So I'm teaching you how to be the best, um, oh, actually it's called resource parent or bridge parent. I don't remember, but one of those, be the best resource parent you can be, how, how we can best support the kiddos, given us situations of like when kiddos come into the home, like th- these are the types of emotions and backgrounds that they will be, you will be dealing with and how to best support them and things like that. So after that, then you do all that and then you just wait for your placement and yeah, they like, they'll call you and they still do this to this day. They'll call and say, Hey, we have a kid, um, just got taken out the home. They give you kind of a scenario of the rundown of what it is. Um, and then you say, yes, you can accommodate their needs or no, you cannot accommodate their needs. So, and for us, it really depends on the situation of the child because we also have our own kid we have to protect. So, um, certain, certain things like we are not going to be the best home for a child. So like, for instance, you know, and there's other, and I don't want to sound like this, um, negative, but there are other homes that can best help other children. So um, for instance, for teenagers, we really don't take teenagers, but I know there's a lot of homes that only want teenagers. Um, We also, um, in our home, we we usually do about ages five through like 10 or 11. Um, Usually the younger ones, I'm not the best. I, I say right now, our home is not set up really for younger ones but there are a lot of homes that only take infants, you know, or, or toddlers and things like that. So, um, yeah, so it all depends on, um, you know, the situation of the child and things like that. Another thing I forgot to mention is that in um, in your packet of you filling out information to become a foster parent, they do ask you questions of like, what are your non-negotiables when it comes to children? So if a child has, you know, um, in a wheelchair or may have um, cerebral palsy or AIDS or sexually um, abused or like different different things, they want you to know, like, what what are you willing to have in your home as well as what would you say is like a non-negotiable for your home? That's great that they're so thorough. 
mm-hmm. because you don't want to have to, you know, you say yes, and then you weren't expecting something and you're like, oh man, this isn't mm-hmm. working out. Like well, if there's intense anger issues, which I know that that can mm-hmm. mean common, you know, if, I mean, if I was a kid and I'm getting switched from place to place, I mean, if I'm in those no. shoes, it that's hard and mm-hmm. you take it out on other people, but yeah, that's a lot of things that you've got to consider. Um, yeah. for bringing another child into your home, especially like you said, when you have another child, you want to make sure that your, your child is safe and that your right. child will get along with them too. And you know, right. that it's going to be a positive experience for your child too. Yes. And you want it to be a positive for both. Like if you're knowing yeah. like, Hey, I'm not a home that's, that deals with, you know, children running away or, or they, they, you know, or hitting and things like that. Like, okay, maybe a home that has, you know, better tools or better, a better atmosphere for that to help with that would be help that child and be um, help that child be more successful with, you know, the behaviors. Whereas if it may be another home that's like, oh, I, I don't know how to maneuver through that. Um, then you're not setting that child up for success either. So how do you introduce the child to the rest of your family? Like it's at home and like your daughter, like how do you get your daughter prepared and like, and then secondly, like what, what does that first day at home look like for, for that incoming child? As I mentioned earlier, like it, it all, we all try to kind of follow that child's lead, but usually when they come here, we have their room ready. We have like a stuffed animal on their bed and we're just all at the front, um, ready to greet the child. Um, usually no one has come crying, um, to our house, but they have come like maybe quiet, kind of looking around because they're, you know, observing and um, trying to figure out the situation. And it's so crazy. A lot of times when we show them their room, they're really excited because, I mean, our first placement, I remember like, oh my gosh, they were like, we have a bed. We have a bed. Like, you're so excited that you even have a bed. And I'm like, oh my gosh, well, you know, I can't imagine what you, they've been through or came from I'd be without- <laughs> I'm like an emotional wreck. I'd probably be crying. I mean, I would try not to do it in front of them, but I'd be like, oh my gosh, I I feel pretty. Like like, that minimum requirement of a bed, you're so excited and oh my gosh. So um, yeah, just greeting them. um, We usually ask them like, what's your favorite snack? What's your favorite food? And we try to make that for dinner and get the snacks right away um, to show them that like, hey, we're here for you. We care about you. And, you know, we want, we're excited to have you here. So we also introduce ourselves as our first name. And I say, if you want to call me mom, you can, but you know, my name is, you know, Miss Danielle and this is Mr. Quentin so that they have the opportunity to call us both. Now, most, no, not most, all of them have called us mom and dad, all of them, even though they have their own parents, but they they feel comfortable calling us that. They do switch when they go on visits and see me, they'll say, hi, Miss Danielle, which is, you know, I get it. Yeah, that's fine because, you know, their mom playing their role, you know, on their visits and stuff, but all of them have called us mom. And, and dad. And um, so, yeah, giving them that permission to call us whatever they you know feel like they want to call us. Um, I think that's very helpful as well. Um, another thing we do is we do explain to them that like your, your toys and your property that you come in is your stuff. So you don't have to share that. So we want we want them to know that they do have things that, you know, because we want them to be able to have the opportunity and to know that hey, like these are your properties, like because like they've had so much change and so much they have n- not had a say in 
in regards to them moving or in regards to what's going on. So we want them to have some kind of ability to feel like they have something that they can control and their items are that. So we do explain to Kennedy, like that's their toy. If they let you play with it, that's different. So, and then we also have like community toys that everybody can play with in like the playroom. So um, we do try, try to do that and make sure that, and if they have a picture of their parent, we think it's important. And we usually ask the worker if we can get a picture um, so they can have that um, under their pillow or in their pocket to help them feel like their mom or dad is right there with them. That is so awesome. Um, you have a good system down. So what, what would you say are the most challenging aspects of being a foster parent and what are the most rewarding? Okay. The most challenging, a lot of times it's like not able to like, you're trying to help and save the children and and be that person. And a lot of times, like, um, I can't, I can't fix the situation. I hate, hate that for them. So, um, I remember one of our, one of the kiddos, like they went back with mom and they got back in the system because she got back on meth. And it's like, Oh, you know, it's like, Oh my goodness. Like, I can't, you know, it's, it's just sad. Like when you're not able to fix the situation for the kids, that that's really hard, especially when they come from really, really hard, hard things. I'm trying not to cry from hard things and you just can't fix it for them. And, you know, and these little, little kids go through so much in their little lives. It's just, it's, it's so crazy. And then the beauty of it is like how a lot of times, like how resilient they are. Like, like I'm like, Oh, these poor, poor precious kids. And you know, they still get to laugh and smile. And then, um, you know, us being able to create that environment for them to, to be a kid and not have to grow up past, you know, you know, while they're in our home. But yeah, I say the hardest part is trying to, trying to save them and knowing that I can't save every situation. I I can just do my best to be supportive. I mean, be that best person at that time for them. And the most rewarding is being able to be that light in their life in that moment, um, in that moment of time. I think our average stay for, for the little ones in our home is a year. In that one year, we are able to do a, do a lot and expose them to, to what it is to have positive um, parents, um, a, a dad. A lot of the kids, most of the kids don't even have a dad. And my husband plays with them and does things with them and has that positive um, African-American male figure in their life. And a lot of them still call him on Father's Day and, oh. and things like that. And yeah, yeah. So that that makes me smile. And so so when they do go home or, you know, transition somewhere else. And the crazy thing is like all of our, I mean, this isn't for everybody, but all of our kiddos have had, I wouldn't say a happy, happy ending because it's not over, but they've all been reunified with their parents or my Kennedy who've been adopted. So they all had like a happy, positive transition, you know, so. That's great. And I feel like that would motivate you even more to continue foster parent parenting and knowing mm-hmm. that this is one of the many reasons why you choose to do it is seeing the successes of these children. And I'm, I know, I mean, just from what I see on you and what you've shared on Instagram, on your personal Instagram, as well as some of your stories, it's like, you're doing a damn good job. Like you're such an amazing (laughs) foster mom. And I'm sure the listeners can tell, you know, just by, you know, talking and or hearing um, from you today, but that one year they spent with you, that was probably like therapy for them. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're changing their lives. And the fact that, you know, they got picked up by another family, by their parents or, you know, being um, adopted. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's the best possible outcome. That's great. 
Yes. And I'm just, I'm very happy. Like our last place, we had six kids in our home at once. And that was the most we've ever had. And um, we've even like upgraded our car. We changed our garage into a playroom to best accommodate. Wow. Um, yeah. So yeah. It, so now, now DHS knows that we're the family that wants to keep families together. I'm like, yeah, we like, oh. let's not split them. If we cannot do that, like they've already been through enough trauma. Let's try to keep them together as much as possible. So um, that was our first time having so many kiddos in our home. And I mean, it was definitely a lot going on, um, but now that we just have our Kennedy, she's like, I miss everyone. Like, so Oh, I she, bet she loved it to have all those siblings oh, and have it. somebody to play with at every time. Oh, yes. People that can maybe help her with homework sometimes or you know, with schoolwork <laughs> yeah. and stuff. Wow. Yeah. So during that process, to take it one step back a little bit, do in the process, is that one of the questions they ask you too, of like, what's the most children you would foster? Or is it kind of just like whatever you feel like? And you're like, okay, we've got six now. Yeah. That was our first time having so many kiddos. Like normally we have like, I think the most we've ever had was like three. And we're like, whoo. But when my, our worker, I love our worker. Her name is um, Nancy and she is phenomenal. And she was just telling us about this family. She's like, I know you usually don't have, you know, take a big family, but this is the situation. Um, I think there'll be a great placement in your home. Um, and I was like, okay, I'll take all of them except for the oldest one. And she's like, she made me think, she's like, okay, Danielle, now, you know, how, how would that oldest one feel? Just, just think about it that way. And I was like, you're right. I don't want to just like that would be hard on him. So she helps me think like like and I feel like we're really good like partners with that. So I was like, yeah, you're right. Because we've never had like an older boy and he's not even that much older. He's 10, you know, but usually Kennedy's the oldest one. That was like the best time. Like I enjoyed that year so much. I think they were actually only six months. Like they weren't even a year. It just felt that way. But they were such a joy. I mean, yeah, I that was really the hardest one family for us to leave, to leave us because we got so connected and um, just seeing them like well in school and just, you know, uh, it was beautiful. It, it was just yeah. a, a beautiful well, thing. When you and, see them growing, you know, mm-hmm. at your home and seeing, you know, from day one, how they arrived versus day 30, day 60, yeah. day 90, and seeing that transition of like, maybe their confidence increased or seeing that mm-hmm. smile more on their face or them talking to you more, you know, right. and confiding in you about things, you know, and you yeah. see that you're like, oh man, um, right. that just reinforces, you know, why you're doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it's just beautiful. And then um, me and mom, we were, we're close. I said, "Hey, I, I still want to be here. I, I care about your kids. I really care about them. So let me know what you're needing. Like I, I'm, I'm here. So we we just started um, our our girls now doing chat for kids on Facebook, mess- oh, yeah, Facebook yeah. Messenger. Yes. So we just started that this weekend. Um, they're just enjoying all of that. So I That's just love that mom, mom is open to having us to stay connected. And I think that's what what's important from in the beginning, creating that relationship. Because if I didn't, then I would have been literally cut off from all these kids. And I'm just wondering, oh, how are they? I wonder. Now I can call people up right now and say, hey, how are they doing? Or oh, ask if they can come over and, you know, certain things like that. So that definitely makes it easier. If you can maintain does. contact with the children mm-hmm. or the family, to me, that's like harmonious. To me, that would be the perfect situation if you mm-hmm. could stay in contact with the kids so you can still continue to influence their lives in some way or influence the parent's life, you know, continuing to be that cheerleader if they need that guidance. Mm-hmm. That's just such a beautiful thing. Thank you. And you all can do that too, you guys. Like, 
I, I, I so encourage you to look into the journey, look into what it is to be a foster parent. And I, I see this a lot. A lot of women are like, oh, I want to do it. My, my spouse, my boyfriend doesn't want to. And my husband wasn't, he wasn't around foster. I mean, he didn't know about that growing up. So he was just like, what are we doing? What are you wanting to do? He was like <laughs> kind of reluctant about it. So um, the crazy thing is what kind of got him on board was when we started going through the classes and seeing like, you know, other couples too doing it you know, okay, so we're not the only ones. And then um, hearing like just this information we're receiving from from the classes got him to be like, oh, okay. Oh, let's do this homework. Oh, let's do that. I'm like, oh, hi, sir. You're on board now. <laughs> now this he's getting the fire under your tail. Like, yes. hey, come on, mama, let's do yes, this. Let's, let's do, do this. this. Let's get this done. <laughs> so yeah. So that's, I mean, go to the classes, go, I mean, that that's basically what really helped because at first he was like, this is different. Why do I want other kids in my home? And then I'm like, no, no, like I want to, like, we want to help kids. Like, and I try to explain it to him, but you know, all of my passion and stuff like that. And he heard it, but when it became real, when we became like, went to the classes and stuff. So, so what, it, what have yeah. you learned about yourself during foster parenting, like, you know, from Danielle pre foster parenting to now, like, what have you learned about yourself? I knew I was, I I was a person who always wanted to help people. So, so being a foster parent, it really just kind of like put that hammer to the nail saying like, I really enjoy (laughs) helping people and wanting to, to do my part in helping my community. So I've always, like, even from a child, I've always wanted to help my community. I remember um, I came from some humble beginnings and we lived in Buffalo, New York as a child and our neighbors, I remember the kids didn't have food. They didn't have clothes. They didn't have any of that. And I'm literally taking food from my home, taking it away clothes off out of my closet, giving it to them, wanting to help them out. So, and just, just seeing like fast forward years later as an adult, like how my, my love and passion to help people has turned into, you know, being a foster parent, creating, you know, a space for moms and boss mom crew is just, it just shows me that like, I'm in the right path of who I am and I'm walking, literally walking and standing in my truth. And it just feels good. Well, you definitely found your purpose, mama. That's for sure. So not Thank only you. are you helping children, you help other moms. And during the pandemic, you started a mom community called Boss Mom Crew. Can mm-hmm. you tell me more about that and how it came to be? Boss Mom Crew is um, a community for working moms. So basically, as I kind of mentioned in the beginning, like I jumped into parenthood in a non-traditional way as foster parents. And it was a news news flash. It was like I wasn't mentally prepared for how much of myself I had to give as a parent. And starting that whole parenting journey, I just noticed like, it was a lot. Like the juggle was real, like seriously. Like I'm like, oh my gosh, how am I supposed to be able to to be um, a great parent, a great wife, a great um, school administrator, keep my house clean. Um, I, I still have friends. Like, how do I do all this? Um, and everyone else, make it, it seemed like they're making it look easy. I'm like, am I failing? Like, how How does it, like, why does everybody else seem like this is a breeze to them? I mean, so um, just with that concept, I, I was just feeling like out of place. I was feeling lonely. I was feeling like, like I was the only, like I was, I was looking for community. I was looking for someone or people who can connect with me and relate to my life, my journey. And it just seemed like the, my friend circle was getting smaller because we were 
actually on two different paths of life. Like I'm in my parenting life, they're single and, you know, doing their thing. And, you know, so we weren't like on the same path. And with that, like with my search for finding a community or finding that connection, I I couldn't find what I was looking for. Um, And so with that, I said, hey, if I can't find it, like, let me just create this and see if there are other people out there feeling this way, feeling lonely, feeling like they lack community, lack that sisterhood that I was looking for. So fast forward a year later, we have um, over 8,000 wonderful moms, part of our community. Yes. So that is so so cool. Showing me that, Hey, this was a need. It wasn't just something that I was looking for. This is something that us moms, like working moms definitely need and no knock to to moms who are stay-at-home moms. That's definitely hard too. But, um, you know, and I know that's a whole, that's a whole different thing. And I mean, I, I know that's like kudos to you ladies, but um, I just wanted to create a space for us who are working moms who have that, that added pressure of going to work and Hey, not having to try to try to almost hide your kids and them not understanding, Oh, what your kid is sick. You have to be at home. What does that mean? Why? Mm-hmm. Because I'm mom and I need to be out. like, you know, certain things that like us working moms have to deal with. Um, in the workforce, breastfeeding, you know, people trying to figure out, I don't need to breastfeed in the bathroom. I any breaks and why do you need a break? You know, and, and just, just all that, like, or why you don't we... want to stay there after five o'clock. They're like, or, yes. why are you rushing to get out the door? Or, like, I got a family home. I don't yes. want to hang out with you guys. Exactly. <laughs> my kids are at home. home. Going exactly. Out with my family. I just exactly. hung out with you guys for eight hours. Leave me alone. <laughs> right. So just finding that, like, that's the thing we have in common is us being those working moms, living that life and just um, just trying to, to to maneuver it all, like with with all that, our career, our our, our family, our our visions, our, our goals, and just be there for each other with that. So that's so cool. So what tools does the Boss Mom Crew provide to working moms and female entrepreneurs? I just launched end of December. It's called within Boss Mom Crew. It's called Shop Mom Members Club. Let me and let me just tell you basically the vision of what happened with this. So um, with Boss Mom Crew and with the pandemic going on, like there's a lot of moms, a lot of people who lost their jobs, as well as people who have small businesses that were not getting the business they normally got due to the pandemic. And they said, uh, I believe one out of three of the these people are women, and most of the women are moms. And a lot of times these women who are, are business owners are like the, the sole breadwinner. A lot of times they're the sole breadwinner at home. So I was like thinking, I'm like, okay, what can Boss Mom Crew do to help support these mompreneurs who are struggling, who are trying to get their feet feedback with the pandemic? So what I did was actually created a directory that has mom-owned businesses on there. So we launched that. And um, for those of you people to be on the directory, they pay a fee to be on there. But we want to encourage everyone. And every Saturday I do this for Small Business Saturday. I talk about the directory and say, hey, go shop on the directory. We have some amazing moms, amazing mom businesses there. So we can literally support our sisters in um, Boss Mom Crew by, you know, putting our dollar where it counts, back in the pockets that. of these small businesses. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah, so thank you. And um, with that, like, I wanted to kind of reflect on that. I said, okay, so mamas in this, in our de- directory, what are you wanting? Like, how do you, what, what do you, what kind of tools, what do you want to do to gain um, from this. And a lot of them are saying like, I want to learn how to, you know, build my business. I want to learn 
these different tools? How do I utilize um, Instagram? How do I do LinkedIn and all these different things? I'm like, okay. So like I had to think about it and I'm like, hmm. So the directory is great to have, but they're wanting, they're needing different tools and resources on how to create their business and make it a successful one. So with that, I created the Shop Mom Members Club. And what that is, is not only is your business on the directory, but you get monthly tools and masterclasses. And our masterclasses are led by um, leading experts in the field of entrepreneurship or self-development. Um, for instance, um, this last one we had, it was with Ms. Tuhin Lee. She is the founder of um, Bojen, which is a breast cushion um, that you put on, on your breast for um, like the the machines, like the pumping machines, the breast pumps. Yeah. And um, she went from zero to seven figures in five years with her business. And she was our masterclass person. So she's literally talked to us about all her tools that she had to create her business and gave it literally step-by-step of what she did and gave, you know, give the information to our, our, our ladies for boss moms. That's awesome. Exactly. Um, Including a grant. I, I, provide a grant for us women of mamas to apply for like a small business grant. I give them other tools. We also have a, a mix and mingle we have each month, which we have all of our different mamas who are in the shop mom members club to come and connect and network together and um, just other cool things. So we have a website. It's called, it's at bossbombcrew.com. And then all of our socials are slash bossbombcrew. So that's including Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, which I need to do more on, as well as LinkedIn. So yes, connect with me there. I would definitely enjoy connecting and ask questions you may have, or like, I'd love for you all to join our community. Yeah, girls. So, hey, listeners, come join me. Let's go hang out with Boss Mom Crew and let's learn together. Yes. So thanks so much for coming on the show today, Danielle. Brandy, I, I am talking so, with you. so honored for you to have me on here. I am, I am so thrilled. I enjoy this conversation. I know uh, we've met each other like last year and I've been dying to like meet you and talk with you. And I'm so excited for what you have in store and what mom after hours are like, I love your, everything you're doing. I love your page. I am just like a huge fan. So I am so giddy and so excited to be here. Oh, thanks, <laughs> tear, tear. Thanks. Bud. <laughs> you're welcome. Thank you so much for listening to mom after hours and our awesome guest, Danielle Melton. This woman has got a heart of gold and boss mom crew. If you are not yet a member or you don't follow her on Instagram, do it now. You won't regret it. As always, if you're ever looking for some fun motivation or cheesy ass sense of humor, you know where to find me on the gram at mom after hours. Until next time.